Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. <coughs> Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Happy Monday, everybody. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm so excited about this show today for so many reasons. And I'd like to tell you that my guest today is Carol DeWitt. She is an intuitive kinesiologist on the other coast in Florida and I'm just I'm just thrilled to have Carol joining me today. So welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you, thank you, Marsha. I'm happy to be here. We we share a lot of things in, in common and we share not only um, interests in common, but one of the, the other elements that we connect us as two women um, is your son. <laughs> He is your son, but I like to consider myself his West Coast mom and his family because Russell Biscetto and Yessie and Simon and Hillary are all very, very important to me, and I know they are equally important to you. And mm-hmm. I, I just lo- I love your family. And Russell said to me, you ought to call my mom. It's like, Really? He said, yeah, she's so interesting. I said, oh, what, is, what does she do? Oh, gosh, really? She's a kinesiologist. She's, she's got this intuition, and it's like, well, yes, don't you think she should call mom? And it's like, yeah. And I thought, well, well okay. So I, so we got in touch with one another. We're, we're Facebook right. friends, which is always a great way to get started. But I, I just think that I want to just thank Russ personally for, for introducing us because you have actually played a part in my life now as well. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you join me today, Carol, truly. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, and hopefully we'll both learn some things. I, 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 think, I think we will. Yes, I always say that people come into your life for a reason, and either you're to learn something for them, from them or teach them something or vice versa. So I'm always open to learning from others. I, I think that's great. So why don't we start the show off, because now that we've shared our, our love affair for one another, for those people okay. that don't know a thing about you, why don't you tell us just, just a little bit about yourself so we can our listeners can get to know more about you. Okay. Um, so I was actually born in California uh, in kind of a suburb, suburb of L.A. called Santa Fe Springs. I don't know if anyone knows where that is, but um, it was a nice little kind of bungalow place. And, um, you know, I had a a really good family, a good mom, a good dad, a sister. I still have a sister. I, my parents have mm-hmm. passed now, though. And um, I grew up 
as I had a lot of health issues as a young person. Um, I developed uh, scoliosis as a young girl. And back then, because I'm 68 right now, well, going to be 68, 67. And um, so back then when you had something like that, either you had surgery or they casted you, they put you in a body cast. So it's a lot better for scoliosis now, but because I was so young when they diagnosed me, I was sick, I had to do a lot of lying around. Um, they felt back then that if you lie, if you laid on your back for an hour a day, uh, I started doing this work. I, t- I, all of the experiences that I've had in my life have, have led to the work, okay, because there was illness, there was a lot of mental, emotional kind of like relationship things I had. I was casted from the age of 9 to 16, so I pretty much grew up with exposure to, you know, because it was rather volatile. Um, Anyway, uh, that... I became an observer since I had to lay Mm -hmm. for an hour and I was in the office and I didn't get to play with my friends. I became an observer and a listener. And those skills that I learned at not at six years old, between six and nine, um, gave me a start or kind of a foundation to what I do now with people. Mm -hmm. Um, because I work a lot over the phone with people. I do a lot of what we call distance work or distance balancing. And I have to, my listening skills have to be there. And I hear intonations and voices and changes in voices. And that leads me to ask questions that um, will give me more information about that person. So that's kind of how my skills all along have led up to me having the foundation to do this work. I think that's really interesting. I had a similar conversation with somebody over the weekend about what you just said, that as young as the age of six to nine, you are already in the beginning stages of where your adult life was going to lead. And frankly, I can relate to that because I would say, in fact, I wrote a blog about it yesterday. I've always been interested in people. I've always talked. I was always in trouble in school for talking. I was much more, I know, but it's true. I was much more interested in talking than I was in studying. And I was that girl, not, not, I wasn't that popular girl. But I was observant like you were. I would memorize those yearbooks that would come out. And in those days, we had midtermers. And so uh, a, a yearbook or, or some kind of a memory book would come out every, at the end of each semester. I memorized right. it. I knew who those mm-hmm. older kids were and who their boyfriend and girlfriend were. <laughs> they didn't have a clue who I was, but right. I knew who they were. Because I was mm-hmm. interested way back then in the stories of people's lives. And I think that that, I don't know if, if there's any kind of scientific research that would suggest if you were the type of child that always shared, 
that there's likelihood that you're going to still do that 30 years and 40 years later because it's just who you are. I, I don't know if there's any truth to that, right. but it's interesting what you said about being an observer and being a listener way back then that those skills were being honed in. I, I find that right. fascinating. So when mm-hmm. people ask you what you do, <laughs> what do you tell them? So the subject of kinesiology um, and when you get to the intuitive side of that or the specialized side of that, it's sometimes hard to explain to people and some other people that do this have trouble explaining what it is that they do. So one of the things that I did was I tried to make sure I understood my 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 how to explain this to others because I was a a skeptic when I first started using it and so Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of skepticism out there um, of things that are new Um, so jokingly I tell people I'm a greeter at Walmart and (laughs) when I and when I tell them that um, they usually don't go any further than that But um, if I'm a little more intimate with them and I know them a little better, I I tell them I'm an energy therapist. People understand energy. It's a big kind of coin word. So we'll say, well, what do you do with that energy or what does that mean? Um, And then it allows me to go further. Um, If I say kinesiology, typically people think that I work with, I work in a gym because there's a lot of people that sort of work with muscles and they work in a gym. Um, and so I, I don't like to start it like that because then I have to say, but I don't work in a gym. So, uh-huh. uh, but I usually tell them, and I'm a, um, it, I do a more specialized form of kinesiology. So if kinesiology is, um, the principles of mechanics in anatomy and relationship to human movement. Um, and it is specifically muscle assessment through a muscle test. Then what I do is a more specialized form. In other words, I don't just work with muscles. I don't just work, work with the physical body, but I also work mentally and emotionally um, with issues that people have. So issues that they can't get past or issues that they've tried to find a solution to and they're unable to find a solution. Um, Other times I tell people I read bodies. They like that one, reading bodies. That's intriguing. How do you read bodies? So there's several ways that that takes place. But in a sense, those are the things I tell people. That's that's really that's really fascinating. You know, I I think the very first time when you you mentioned you don't work in a gym, I think the very first time I ever heard that term kinesiologist, I don't know, it was maybe 25, 30 years ago, um, in relationship to the Dodgers and Yahoo for my Dodgers going to the World Series, might just say, yeah, um, yay, yay for our yay for my team, yay hot but, dogs. Yes, exactly. So I remember there was a, a player that was having shoulder issues, 
and um, they talked about kinesiology. And I don't, I, frankly, I don't even remember what the response was, or I've not even, I think it was the player that was Mike Marshall, but I might not even have that correctly. But that was the first mm-hmm. time I've heard about that. So you hear about gyms and you hear about uh, physical therapy and you hear about chiropractors and you, and you kind of banter all those words around. But right. we're going we're gonna to be talking specifically about what it is that you do. So you mm-hmm. mentioned that kinesiology is sort of principle-based. What else will we need to understand about what kinesiology is before I have you describe um, what intuitive kinesiology is? What, what, what okay. else would I need to understand? So, so in the 1950s, a chiropractor by the name of George Goodhart, um, <laughs> yes, Goodhart, um, started developing this way of muscle testing. Um, and usually these come about by chiropractors. So, for instance, I'm trying to adjust this person and I keep adjusting this person and this person is not staying balanced. So how can I get deeper into this person? What am I missing? And then these things happen. And so in the 60s, when Goodhart developed muscle testing, this is testing uh, 42 muscles in the body, um, he determined that when these muscles were out of balance, then they, um, his corrections didn't hold. And that if he balanced these muscles, his corrections did hold. So, um, and the coin or the phrase or the theory is applied kinesiology. This happened in the 60s. Then Dr. Fee, who wrote the book, Touch for Health in 1973, took that study of muscle and mechanics of human motion, and he just brought it to a different sort of level, um, Hmm. realizing that we can take one muscle, and if we use that one muscle, it's intact, there's certain tests we do to make sure that happens then we can ask the body questions and the body will respond by either holding that indicator muscle strong or the indicator muscle will yield and not hold strong. So in other Hmm. words, when it holds strong, we know that that part of the body that we're asking about is intact or working fine or we stay in balance or we stay on, you're on for that. There's no imbalance there. But if we get a yield, then we know that there's issues there and we need to stay there until we can get the strong response. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... So, and, and how... Oh, go ahead. Uh-huh. So an indicator muscle refers to a specific muscle and a specific response by the body. Yeah. So when we use an indicator, which we use a lot, I use an indicator, um, then that indicator surrogates for all the other muscles in the body's entire system, including mental, emotional state of that person. 
okay? So we can use one muscle and test one muscle. And by the way that reacts and how we read that, we can kind of tell what your, the integrity of your body is overall. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does, how does that play um, into intuitive? Because you are a specialist, and you've been doing this. I might, we might just say, because you didn't mention this about yourself, you've been doing this for over 30 years. This is not, this is not new theory to you. This, this has been no. um, a major part of your lifestyle um, and right. your profession. So mm-hmm. um, when did the intuitive in kinesiology come into this? Did it start that way or so, did you develop that? No. How did that work? Yeah. So I took a class years, years ago called biokinesiology. So just know that out of these two guys, Goodhart and Fee, um, all of these other facets of kinesiology came about. And they came about in different ways. Some were more educational. Some were more mental and emotional. Um, and years ago, I took this class when I was doing all my education. I took tons of classes, tons collected all kinds mm-hmm. of things because once we figured out I could muscle test, not only supplements, that's how I started. I was testing supplements for people and just going down and testing which ones their, their body like, which ones they were allergic to, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I realized it could be more specialized, I started, I took a class called biokinesiology and in there he had this section of, um, on intuition. And I started questioning him about it. And I said, what do you know about in- intuition? And you know, what to me? And I said, and if you ask your intuitive self a question is, how do you know it's a true answer? That kind of thing. And he first started out saying that women are way more intuitive than men. And I thought, okay, I might like you then. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, he said, the more you use it, the better it gets. He did say that to me. So I started using it. And what I realized was, first of all, there's no emotion. When intuition is true, there isn't an emotional component. You just feel it in your gut. and You just know it's true. It's a sensation that you feel. It's like, yep, plunk, got it. Um, if you're emotional about it, then usually it's not really coming from intuition. It's just you want it or you got to charge about it somehow and that emotion comes in and just not be acting on it as emotion. Just make a choice. If you want to do it, do it. But it can't be in, it's not really true intuition. Intuition has no emotion. It just is. So well, let me interrupt you right there. Be, well, somewhat, but I think what would be really helpful for those of us that are, grasping all of what you're saying perhaps uh-huh. we could just define perhaps you could just define I should say what does intuitive or intuition what does what does that mean I, I could look it up in the dictionary but I'd like to have your definition of what intuition means I heard you say it has no feelings correct intuition is a sense you have about something 
that is deeper than your conscious mind. That's, that's kind of how I see it. Um, okay. And out of that, we can use that for in expressing things to people or things about people. And I call that intuitive expression. So it's a way of listening that is a deep way of listening. And so in a way, you're not relying on your conscious self to say, yeah, we need to go here and this is what's up with you and this is how we, we, uh, we're going to say to fix you. Because typically we don't fix anyone. The body gives us an indication of what it needs and then we move in a direction and that person's body heals itself. It's a, it's a creative, internal creative intelligence that we, that we tap into. That's fascinating. How did you mention the scoliosis when you were really young? Do you think that that is what got you, you know, years later um, interested into this field or was there some inspiration or something that actually motivated you to get into the field that you're in today? Mm-hmm. Well, my son, Russell, had, he had a rather difficult birth. He was a large, large baby, um, and he was not one that just was born quickly. So he was pretty battered around his head and his eyes when he was born. Um, and I, I believe we never really looked into it or prosecuted anybody or went that far. I was young, but um, I, I look back now and I, I believe that how that progressed was because he ended up with some learning problems and learning disabilities as a young child. Um, And because of that, we had some issues with school and he had, we found out, had a perceptual problem it was how his brain perceived and ultimately how his brain stored information and then how the information was retrieved and so really I got into this work because I took my son to a lady did educational kinesiology um, and then took classes from her on Hmm. um, that subject and it's called Brain Gym, and it's pretty pretty popular. Um, it is integrated in, into my work as well. I integrated a lot of what I learned into my one-page menu that I use. But um, anyway, I took Russ and, and his sister to um, the classes. It was a three-day class on the weekend, and um, we did balancing. And uh, anyway... What got me started was that, and plus she asked me to cross-crawl to do it with Russell, and I couldn't do it. And so, I I mean, I did well in school. I didn't have a problem with school. I made A's, and, and, you know, I was just, you know, studying wasn't my thing back then. But, uh, you know, when she asked me to cross-crawl, I had to really think about it. Like, it didn't come naturally. And I thought, wait a minute. If I'm having trouble doing this, then he must have inherited that from me. 
And so maybe we mm. need to do these classes together. And so that's what started it. And I just that's went. Interesting. I read everything after that, read everything there was to, to know. And I was, you know, already trying techniques, not really with any kind of formal education, but just trying them on my friends and went home with the brain gym book and did it on my husband and that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. what started it. That's very, very, and you've been doing this for 30 plus years, haven't you? Exactly, right. I did it when I think, wow. I can't remember, maybe Russ was nine when we started going, hmm. when we took those classes. That's very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you did know, all the t- Carol, do you, mm-hmm. you know what else we share in common? That your, like your Russell and my Julie are just four days apart in birth. <laughs> Russ is four days older than my daughter. I just found that kind of an interesting thing that just yeah. another thing that we both share. I just thought I'd that throw that in there. I know. Yeah. So when we talk about muscle testing or assessment, how, how, mm-hmm. how does, tell me a little bit more about that. Teach that class. I've taught that class over and over. I have, um, I think, a pretty contained way of, of teaching muscle testing. Um, it's when people learn to muscle test, the typical thing that happens is they, they test everything, everything. Do I like this? Do I not like this? Do I, um, you know, um, do, do, do I want to marry this person? Do I not want to marry this person? And there's certain things in muscle testing you cannot use just muscle testing for. You can't test that. Because we are testing through the person's nervous system. So we want to make sure that that person is as ready to accept a test and get a clear indication of what's going on. And we do this by, first of all, we have to be facilitators. And then second of all, we have a certain about five or so different tests that we do before we even start asking them any questions that might pose a charge on their system. So we make sure they're hydrated. We make sure that they know a yes and a no, okay, that their meridian system is operational, electrical. So meridians are electric, nervous system is electric. So we want to make sure that electrically they are sound because, remember, we're going to use this to um, find out kind of what's going on with them. And so we want to make sure everything is clear. We don't want to go in with any kind of reversals. I know I'm using coin firms, but, you know, if anyone mm-hmm. wants any more information, I'd be happy to give them that. We could talk for right. hours and hours on mm-hmm. reversals and why we would clear that, and you don't really need to know that to understand the work. Okay. That's that's That's... So, you know, I'm a very, you talked about, you know, cross um, crawling. I know one of the things I know about myself is I am extremely literal. And honestly, when it comes to learning new thoughts, that can be Mm -hmm. somewhat of a hampering for me because when you use the word muscle testing, I'm thinking Uh there's some kind of physical paraphernalia that says okay so here's a clamp i'm putting this across your leg and it measures this but i don't think that's what you're talking about is it no 
No. We actually access, first of all, you can muscle test 42 muscles on the body. So actual muscles. If I want the integrity of my quadriceps, I hold my leg in a certain pose, and that person resists me pushing on their quad. Um, and that tells me if the muscle is, has integrity or not, if it's holding or not. If it doesn't, if it isn't holding, then I know that muscle doesn't have integrity. But for an indicator muscle, we typically use a deltoid muscle, a deltoid test, or we use a, um, uh, basically we use a deltoid. You can use an upper okay. trap test you want to. I use a supinator test. I use a wrist. What's that? I test. Huh. If you hold your if you you hold your palm up. Okay. Okay, you are supinating your palm. If you push your palm down or hold your palm down and mm-hmm. so that the outside of your hand is up, you are supinating yes. or you're pronating. See, so we supinate, we pronate. And that is a muscle test. It's a very subtle one. I like to use that because people can't, they don't have to hold their arm out to a certain degree. Like the deltoid, they have to hold it at a 90 degree angle. And if you're elderly or if you're a child or if you're a baby or if you're an animal, Mm -hmm. you're not going to do that. So um, the supinator test works really well for that. You can also I, I test bet there are fingers. people listening. If I bet people are listening right now, Carol, doing exactly what, what I just did by by moving my wrist back and forth and and, uh-huh. and doing precisely uh-huh. what you're saying without difficulty. Are you saying that some there are people that by doing that and they say to you, "Look at, I can I can have my palm up, but my gosh, when you ask me to turn my wrist and have my 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 palm down." I can do that with my right hand, but I'm struggling to do that with my left hand. Is that the kind of information you're gathering? I'm I'm not gathering those informations unless they're telling me that um, that is painful. What I do is I hold the wrist in my palm, and I oh. am actually I'm actually testing them, and they will supinate and promenate, but it's in my hand when I test them uh, in person. So they don't really feel it. I usually go through it and I say, listen, if I ask you a yes question, is your name Marsha? Your Mm -hmm. wrist will stay in a constant place. It's not going to move and I can subtly try to make it pronate, but it won't. If I ask you if your name is Russell Boschetto, it's going to pronate because you're not Russell Boschetto and your body knows that. So it's going to yield for me. It'll say no. Wow. That's, that's, that's a thank you for actually making me visualize, which you and I have done before mm-hmm. over the phone off the air. But right. you, were, you were able to make me visualize now what you just said, and that helps me to understand that a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, really, that's really useful. So are there other methods? that you use when you're assessing your clients besides just muscle testing? Right. Muscle testing is one way only to read a body. We don't want to let that be our only way. Why? Because there's a subtlety that takes 
place in a test. And if you haven't gotten to the point in your testing that you can find that subtlety, the body's a real, they, bodies can lie. They can tell you, they can have, uh, uh, like I said before, like blocks, they can have reversals, they can have whatever, because if the system, if, if the issue we're doing is, is a tough one, it's a, it's a scary one, it's a um, charged we use that, the kinesiology term charged emotionally, mm-hmm. then you have to know how to deal with that. So I use my intuition. I use my sensing a lot. I'm a very auditory and a very kinesthetic person, so I will feel things many times that is uh, from that person. And I'll, that'll give me a, an opportunity to ask them a question about it. Do you notice your stomach? Do you ever have digestive issues? Do you ever, you know, sometimes when you eat certain foods? And typically, sometimes they say no, but most of the time Mm -hmm. you go, yeah, yeah, I I don't digest well at all. I bloat, I get gas, I get this, I get that. And then we know we're on the right track. That's great. Right. So that's just one. Muscle biofeedback is one method. But it must, in my opinion, I I don't just rely on that because you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. You need to ask very many different ways so that you know that you're mm-hmm. getting the correct answer and that person isn't blocking you. And and that person is actually understanding and processing your question and perhaps said one way, it's like, oh, well, this is my obvious answer. Oh, oh, that's what you meant. Oh well, then no, no, that wouldn't be my response to that. Then I, I, I didn't understand. I didn't process your question, and so now well, see, I've given I you more test, information about me. Right. No, I test. See, I test off a menu. Okay, that's the other thing. As a kinesiology, a, a kinesiologist, we're great ones for lists. We love lists. We take lists and we test down lists. Okay, and so we're looking for an indicator change in that point, in that um, standpoint. But we test down lists, and so they don't actually, I talk a lot, and I'll say, this is what you're coming up with. You're coming up under emotional stew, which means we have 10 emotions we need to clear from your body associated with your issue you're giving me. That is our goal. Hmm. The issue is the goal. And that's how kind of we set up a balance is we do balanced segments and we set a goal up. So, for instance, if someone were to come to me and say, then I had this, this is a true story. Um, she wanted to be uh, balanced for dancing. She wanted to da- be able to dance and not feel foolish. Um, and the reason she felt foolish was because when she was a child, her mother said to her, You look just like your grandmother when you dance. And she felt that that was kind of like a negative thing because grandma looked dorky when she danced. So in her little mind, she took that as being a true thing, a true statement. So every time she tried to dance, she couldn't do it because she felt dorky. Even if she didn't look dorky, that's what was in there. So she would just go run and hide in the bathroom so she wouldn't have to dance. So during the balance, that's what we found, that there was actually a time circuit 
that came on her body when she was like five. And her mother said, oh, my gosh, you look just like grandma when you dance. And she was Hmm. in her 40s when we balanced her. Yeah. So she carried it all those years. Yeah. And once it cleared, she could go dance, and she was all good. She was all fun. Fine. Gosh, you know, it's I can't help but because this subject is so interesting to me, and maybe this will be something you and I will work on together um, as a as a, a client and a, a specialist. I know I was told via my parents at a very young age that I was I had very poor reading comprehension. Now I probably got that message around the fourth grade. You don't okay. think that I still suffer? From that today, yes. I mean, I, I don't know if suffer right. would be the right word, but I would say, yes, if you're going to sure. ask me yep. to read the menu on how to operate my camera, I'm going to say to you, could you just show me? Because if I have to read this, this, um, this um, information packet, I'm not going to get it. That's right. what you're really so, saying, isn't it? That's what I'm saying, yes. Wow. So that when you heard that, because as children, we don't have, we're not able to discern. We can't filter. We're like open books. So if somebody says, you're really stupid, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And actually, true story, this happened with Russell. Because Russ had learning problems. He, in school, his teacher told him he was stupid. Oh, you're so stupid, Russell. You can't do that. You're stupid. And wow. Uh, and I know this because he came home and he said to my mother, Grandma, am I dumb? And she said, no, oh you're God. not dumb. Why would you say that? He said, teacher says I am. So guess wow. what? I just went, then I went to school and it was on. It was <laughs> on. And, it, <sighs> you know, so, but it wasn't that Russell was not intelligent because people told me that oh he's retarded. They even said he was retarded when he first started. Oh my God. I said, Oh no. He's not retarded. He asked too many questions. Retarded kids don't, you know, well I wouldn't necessarily. I mean that's a whole wow. issue, whole different show. But yeah, we yes. um, we actually had him in like he had to like relearn to crawl because he didn't crawl as mm-hmm. a child. So things don't hook up when you don't crawl. Your brain will choose. Yeah, your brain will choose the quickest way to retrieve information. And if mm-hmm. there's blocks there, it has to go around. And so it would take him forever to find things. And sometimes he couldn't find them because his brain put it somewhere, but he couldn't find where his brain put it. So, Amazing. Well, we you know, we both know he's quite quite um, accomplished today. Right. So exactly. I wanted to ask yeah. you. I wanted to ask you another question because, like mm-hmm. you said, we really could do this for a couple of hours. But you mentioned yeah. to me off the air, and I thought this was really interesting. You also can apply these same um, principles, if I can use that, if that's the correct word, to animals mm-hmm. as well. If people have pets. Yes. Is it, is it their everyday pets, or how does that work with animals? Okay, so animals, we can also test animals because, and it's, we can't, I have physically 
tested cats, actually. Um, but it, they they don't hold a muscle like a human. So, you know, you're really actually kind of energetically testing them. So you're using your 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 sense about the animal more so than not. But um, mm-hmm. I have worked with cats, dogs, horses. Um, haven't worked with fish yet, but that might be interesting. And uh, <laughs> what about birds? Haven't worked with bird birds, brain. but that also might be interesting. Um, cats, yeah. I have worked with um, individual. Like when new animals come in with multiple cats, I've balanced the whole sort of, we call it a system balance. We balance all of the kitties because know that, and I say this even to parents and young people that are, like when you're in a group, say you've got four cats in a group, or say it's just a husband and a wife and they don't have a baby yet. So then mm-hmm. once the baby's born, it changes the whole makeup of that energetically of the group because now there's three. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so people will say, oh, man, we had the baby and everything fell apart and I don't even know which end is up and we, we, we can't seem to find each other. And so that could be, it could be the circuit that they are creating now with three instead of two that is off that electrical circuit and that we, we balance systems like that, like all of them together. And with cats, I have this lady, she's still my friend. Uh, She used to rescue a lot of kitties. And at one point, each time she would bring a kitty in, she'd call me and she'd say, Oh, I just have this new kitty. We rescued him. And now this one's upset with that one. And that one's fighting. And this one hisses at that one. And so I would, get all the names of the kitties and line them up and find the imbalances in the system. And we would clear them and we would use her as a surrogate. So how do we do that when she lives in Michigan and I'm here? Well, we would use her as a surrogate. So in other words, the kitties know her. She knows the kitties. I'm muscle testing her. I'm testing her. And we're actually going to clear the kitties because everything's in connect. Everything's connected to everything else. So in this world, we are connected to what I'm sitting on. We're connected to you by via the phone. We're connected to your house and the surroundings environment via your phone, via, via the phone and you. So in other words, you could say, I don't like my sink. Every time I go in the kitchen, something bothers me. I don't know what it is. Something bothers me. And it, if it's your sink, we could balance that with you and balance you around the sink so that you didn't get a response on your body every time you went into your kitchen. Wow, that's, that's fast. Yeah. What you're talking about is just, you know, this whole mind, body, spirit, uh, it's just, it's mm-hmm. really every, pretty darn remarkable. See, years ago when yeah. we first started doing these things, people didn't realize that emotions played any kind of part in well-being, in health. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like you'd go to the doctor and you'd say, oh, my gosh, I just feel like I'm just crying all the time and I, this happened and that happened. they say, oh, well, it doesn't really have anything to do with your physical problem or your physical mm-hmm. makeup. And now, after all these years, they're going, yeah, 
stress plays a part. Yeah, emotions play a part. So they're catching up to us, which I think is lovely. Do you think that nutrition plays a part as well? Of course, because in, in Touch for Health, they have what they call a triangle. And nutrition is part of it. The physical is part of it. The mental and emotional is part of it. So everything feeds off of everything else. So, for instance, if everything's good emotionally, typically, and everything's good physically, typically, and you eat, you eat something that doesn't agree with you, well, that, that affects the physical and the emotional, which in turn affects everything. Yeah. It's, it's, so I, it's I, I visualize like a, um, an arrow in a circle, and it's, just, it's going in a circle and it's pointing. Exactly. Hmm. Just as in, in the body, everything is related to everything. So in other words, mm-hmm. you know, people say this all the time when they, when they call for their sessions. They'll say, well, I have this going on and that going on, um, but eventually I want to work on this. Okay, and I don't, I am not the kind of person that works pro, um, protocol. I don't have a protocol. I have a menu. Um, so with their body, which we set up goals, but say, say the next, we say to a person, okay, next week we're going to work on this, this, and this, and that person goes, yeah, we're going to. That's next on my list. And say they mm-hmm. break their leg. Guess what? The body will pick as a priority. They're going the to failure. pick the broken leg. They'll yeah. pick the broken leg. The body will say, you know what? I don't really care if you and Aunt Bessie don't get along. I just broke my leg. And hmm. so we need to kind of work the emotions off over that and the trauma off over that. And we need to kind of address that hmm. because that's my priority today. And sometimes I have to educate people and I have to say, you know what, you just broke your leg. So we need to address that. And then we'll, we'll look at, at, at Aunt Bessie next time. There you go. And, you, and usually they you, do that good. You had mentioned something that I thought was interesting when you say you work off of a menu. Is that a, is that a fairly... Simple thing for us to understand what the what that menu is, or would that be show part two? Uh, so so in the in the work there is um, there's actually like a glossary of terms, and over time yes. we you learn the glossary, and when you work with with me in a session. Part of what happens is we clear your imbalances, and part of what happens is we teach you about your body. So what you're learning is how to self-correct, and what you're learning is that when you feel sensation, it doesn't mean the end of the world. It means that's how your body's talking to you, yeah? And so Mm -hmm. at first it sounds foreign, and people say, well, I don't. You know, I always say, listen, stop me and say, what is that, if you want to know, because this is your balance. Mm -hmm. So in my menu, basically how the menu came about was that 
we had, there's a lot of education and a lot of science behind this and a lot of classes that have been taken over the years. And so when I first started working with people professionally, I would say to them, you know, I thought, well, how am I going to find how to work on these people? Because uh, am I going to use biokinesiology? Am I going to use touch for health? Am I going to use, what am I going to use, you know? And so I mm-hmm. needed something that was integrated that I could test off of initially to find where we were. So um, the menu consists of a foundational section, which is of the body that kind of the deeper segments. Um, and in other words, we build from the bottom up. So if a foundational issue comes up, we know that we are starting to build, okay? And we need to clear the foundation first because things don't, don't usually last if there's no foundation. Sure. So that's, that's on the left side of the menu. Then we have what's mm-hmm. called basic issues, general categories. And we have your emotional system, your electrical system, your physical system, polarity related, which is um, which is more electrical. But polarity is: Do I know my top from my bottom, my front, my left from my right? And and so we have different things under there. And then we have um, set points, which have to do with um, they can be weight related. So. And, and true stories. Here's another one of my stories. Um, if a person is overweight, wants to lose weight, has done every diet in the world, has tried everything, has been everywhere, is practically starving, whatever, and they're not losing weight, they could actually have a set point in their hypothalamus um, related to weight because that is the gland that is related to weight um, that is set at 500 pounds. Oh. So if the number is, the body loves numbers, by the way. It gets excited <laughs> about numbers. So there's a <laughs> lot of numbers, and a set point is one of them. So by going and using a balance and taking that set point to a different level, then that person can, it's just easier for them to stay on a plan. It's either easier than, it's not magic. So it's like if we uh-huh. take your set point from 500 to say 135, that doesn't mean by tomorrow you're going to lose all that weight. What that means uh-huh. is that your body is at a, is able to regulate itself to look at that as a goal electrically. Hmm. So that's under step point. And then we have your nervous system, sympathetic, parasympathetic, central, autonomic, and voluntary. We have trauma resolution, position, um, how to boundary, like boundary with people, boundary with myself. Am I connected to my hands, my arms, my feet, my legs? If we're not connected, that can cause other things to happen. Um, so here's another story. I know you like stories. I, I do. I worked with, I don't remember, this is probably, I don't work with him anymore. 
So it's not like breach of client contract or deal, mm-hmm. but um, he, I don't even know what we worked at. I believe it was something emotional. Um, in the course of the balance, which kind of lasts about an hour, um, I noticed that there was a disconnect between the top and the bottom of his body at his kind of weight. And so I said to him, let's fix that because it came up and it's the next thing in line. And so we fixed it, um, found the correction for it, fixed it, um, sensed the energy to make sure it was flowing equally into the top of him and the bottom of him. So when he went to the gym, he told me this next time he called for his, his follow-up. He said, oh, the weirdest thing happened. He said, I went to work out with my trainer, and I had only been able to lift a certain amount. And he said, and for some reason, I couldn't get it up over this, whatever his weight lift limit was. And he said, Mm -hmm. and I went in today, and I easily lifted over that weight. And my trainer says, oh, my gosh, what did you do? He said, I just want to balance with this lady, and we didn't really even address this, but there was not enough energy in the top of my body versus my bottom, and she kind of worked with my body so we could correct that. He said, you're lifting more equally on your, on your left and your right as you were, because before you would only lift mostly on one side or the other. Inadvertently, everything's connected. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all. It's int- I guess it is physically and emotionally. And you know, you've used the word, and and I believe the word is imbalance. Is it spelled I am imbalance? I am balance. Is that is that the I mm-hmm. am, yes um, imbalance? We call we call the maladies or the issues or the problems. We call them imbalances because it's more user-friendly. The body doesn't like labels, doesn't like you have okay. a problem. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes mm-hmm. we look, we find shutdowns. The body will shut down over that. There's nothing wrong with me. What are you talking about? Don't tell me I have right. a problem. So we just, yeah. it, it's a very neutral term. This is an imbalance. This is what your body is showing me. People are really, they're able to grasp that better and it's, and it just flows easier using that term. I, I the glossary of terms is tremendous. I mean, for for most of us, I'll just speak for myself. I know that the glossary is is pretty remarkable, and I I want to I want to make certain that that I get something really important for me into this show, and that is people that are mm-hmm. listening to this and really want to get further information about you, Carol. Can you tell people the best way that they could reach you? So um, you can, if you want to um, get a hold of me, you can um, use my email. Um, It's intuitivekinesiology at gmail.com, and I will take it from there. Um, Go on there and tell me. Tell me whatever. That, I've pretty that's much heard terrific. it all. I, you know, and, and if somebody missed that, I will make sure that I include that information when people can go back 
and listen to the show again if they're listening live and they want to come back later and just like what what was it what what did she say so i will certainly link that to you when i archive okay. this show because i think that's really important and i think people will want to be in touch with you and just out of my own curiosity sort of separate but sort of not how do you personally find balance in what you do in your life balance because i think that's such a key word mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i when i work with people there is a about 15 to 20 minutes that I take and just make sure I'm clear. I just sit with myself. I calm. I let everything else kind of go away um, from dinner or whatever. So there is a preparation, I call it. And then Mm -hmm. other than that, I use a lot. I use the tools that I've learned. So I will like hold my head and by holding your forehead, it's like your body can let go of stresses. That's, called Hmm. ESR or emotional stress release point. So I do that. I do conscious meditation. I'm not, I don't really like sitting and kind of trying to clear my mind, although I've done it, but I'm a thinker Mm -hmm. and we've got to work within our parameters, but I like conscious meditation, like walking, hiking, noticing plant, balancing and calming for me. Can you, you know what, because you just spoke my language. So that's called conscious Meditation? Yes, conscious meditation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank I was you. looking for a way to meditate because I couldn't, I tried the other way and it was like, oh, la, la, am I done? You know. <laughs> so, uh, That's good. Yeah. So how do you find balance, Marsha? I'm curious. Well, I, well, you know that I'm, I'm glad you asked me because now, not that we need labels for things because I really do know my own answer, answer but much like you, when I've spent a lot of time indoors and I'm preparing for shows and I'm setting up shows or whatever it is I'm doing in regards to my mm-hmm. show, it's, it's, that means I'm sitting in a chair and I'm facing a computer screen. I need right. to get out. Because first of all, yep. sitting in front of a computer screen is very isolating. That isn't good for yes. my personality. Isolation in me, you know, there needs to be balance. And my way of balancing is exactly what you've just described. Grab that camera and take it for a walk. And there are certain Mm -hmm. places I like to go. In fact, I have invited friends to join me. I, I, I am a nature lover. I do love the pelicans and the herons, but I, I can be just as happy with a leaf with a teardrop with a, with a drop of water on it and think, Oh wow, that makes a great picture. So that calms me down. It it refreshes me and it it makes me happy. And then if I'm outdoors where somebody else is maybe at Fisherman's Village taking a picture of that sea lion, now I'm in conversation and that really makes me happy because right. I, I enjoy the thrill of meeting somebody new and having a conversation about a shared um, interest. So that's how mm-hmm. that's how I find some balance in my life because it is hectic some of the things I'm doing and you yeah. know hectic not in a bad way I, I'm a sports fan mm-hmm. this can't be a better time for being a Los Angeles Dodger fan than right now because we're yeah. going back to the World Series I will be at Dodgers both Friday and Saturday night of this week I'm also a basketball fan I just went to my first Clippers game last night we won mm-hmm. I have a lot of activities in my life 
that I truly enjoy and I try to share that that joy with others. And I think what, what I've learned from you today, Carol, that's just been so beneficial is that I could see where while you're sitting on the right coast and I'm sitting on the left coast, um, okay. east and west coast, maybe we don't want to call it left and right in today's climate, um, I would say that I could see where let's talk about this because maybe I am having an issue about such and such. I know mm-hmm. that personally you and I have done that a little bit, and it was amazing having that conversation with you and then thought, um, um, wow, and you know something? i got to just tell you what just happened, just this moment. So Russell just sent on Facebook, and you thought you wouldn't have enough to talk about. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> right, like that would happen to us, well. right? Thanks, Russ. But, uh, you know, it, 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 I think that this is definitely a part two show. I think maybe doing more about this and learning more about this and getting past the skepticism of what, what you do I think it's just marvelous, and I will make certain that I get your email into my post, and I would just like to remind people that my website, for those of you that are not on Facebook, is born is com. It's a real easy way to find me, and you can um, always go to that website. I'm on all kinds of um podcast opportunities, whether it's through your iPhone or whether it's through Google Play or whether it's through Stitcher, all of those, all of those platforms, icons, whatever you want to use for that determination, all of those can be subscribed to so that you can not only listen to this show later on in the day, but you can come back next week and listen to my show with Mitchell Levy, who's the aha guy that's written tons of books. And he has his own story to tell. I have a very fortunate opportunity each week, Carol, to share my mm-hmm. my week with with my with my guests. And I just I so want to thank you so much and to Russ for for together, and for having you be able to explain what it is you do. It, it's truly so interesting, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Well, thank you so much. I was, it's been real fun, and it's a vast subject. It's, it's, nev- it's a never-ending learning opportunity, well, basically. And the, and the fact that you can do this over the phone as one that can attest yes. to this, I think right. opens up, just like podcasting opened up my life from being in the studio where I had Russell and Simon in the studio with me on on multiple shows, by being a podcaster, this now opens up my opportunity for you to be in Florida as it's a little after five at your house and it's a little after two at mine. And that's just, that's just fabulous. So I will, I will let you get on to make your dinner and whatever else that you're going to do for the rest of your evening. I want to thank all of you. I don't thank my listeners enough. So for all of you out there in Facebook land that follow me, that support me, thank you because that really does fill my heart with joy as well. So I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to play our little outgoing music because I just love it. And I look forward to having you join me next week with Mitchell Levy. Thanks again, Carol, for joining me today. You're welcome. Mom.